welcome to Forever Canon, the podcast where we talk about dusty old tomes of magic space wizards that Mama Disney no longer believes in. I'm Justin. I'm Tim. And I'm Kevin. And this week, we're here to talk about Legacy of the Force Betrayal, chapters 21 to 24. But first, bum bum bum, previously on Forever Canon. The parties arrive at the negotiation station. The parties party and a little negotiation. The Jedi are attacked by rabid sickos. The Prime Minister is dead. Admiral Old Gill is in a robe. But that was last week. This week we start Chapter 21 on Toriaz Station. We see the investigators and they be investigating. Wedge and Tycho, BFF detectives. The shuttle left the station and jumped to hyperspace just before the alarms on the station sounded. And then they head out with Luke in a shuttle and they find Tawaller. No signs that he was forced to space himself. None at all. Leia and Mara bring in a forensics team. Turns out the most of the attackers were killed by blasters and lightsabers. Those who weren't were killed by poison. Yeah. Just like you said, Kevin, you were right. Yeah. It's like they were basically suicide bombers. Yeah, pretty much. They were. Yeah. Uh, oh, and the Kamikaze. other thing. The other thing the forensics team revealed is that all of them had some kind of genetic disease that they were all dying yeah. from. It was already game over for these guys, anyways. And uh, most of them, but not all of them, were Corellian. Yes, yeah, so three quarters of them were Corellian. But Luke says that might not mean they were sent by Corellia. That's right. Because anyone could hire Corellians to do. We'll get we'll get like to that. the conclusions in a little bit. But first, Jason and Ben are feeling out the Force, where it was used in the security room. They can feel it, and they can feel it near the airlock. At Admiral Pelion, keeping the info flowing, while also losing some hands of Sabak to Han. The two of them are just uh, chilling and having a fine time while everybody yes. else is doing all the work. Yeah. Leave the old man to play cards by themselves and we will take care of this. Basically, they immediately figure out everything that happened. Like everybody, every, all the secrets that we were, were privy to on the way up to this chapter, everybody else, they, they just immediately figure them all out. Yeah. They're, they're great investigators. They figure everything out right away. Like that's no joke. Yeah, it only, it only took them when? An hour? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. The only thing they didn't figure out though was who done it. We have to conclude that a rogue Jedi or equivalent was involved. Supporting that point is the fact that the weapons they carried were designed for use against Jedi. Wedge interrupted. Much the way the Karelian response to some recent missions was optimized against Jedi. So again, we see the same thing that we saw on Centerpoint. The same thing that we saw on Coronet. Ready for Jedi. Yeah. Teams specifically designed to deal with Jedi. And to take them out. Not just deal with them, but also kill them. They want to kill them. Yeah, so not just somebody who knows about the Jedi, but somebody who has some knowledge of the Force itself. Yeah, that's a good point. Han, ta- Han starts talking about suspects and Thraken is immediately his. It must have been Thraken. It must have been Thraken. He mentions, Han mentions, that Ben and Jason are the ones who killed Centerpoint. He's like, does anybody, does everybody know that? Everybody in this room knows that? And Luke looks at Ben, and he says he looks haunted. Yeah, still extremely uncomfortable with his being part of that. And Luke reveals that he 
he might be the only one that Ben told yeah. about the Anakin robot because it was in his official Jedi report that he gave directly to the Grand Master, his father. I'm not sure, but there might be some other Jedi Masters who were in on that briefing as well. Oh, okay, I yeah, don't, there could be. I don't know for Mara a fact. Mara probably knows. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah, Luke probably at least told her, but at the very least, most people don't know about that specifically the solos yeah oh yeah the solos aren't privy to the information that it was a, a living sentient robot who thought it was your dead son yeah i mean <laughs> when you're 13 years old that's kind of a hard thing to drop yeah but he 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 told it he told it to luke in his report to the jedi Luke turns and asks Jason if they picked up on any extra motives of Thraken while he was chasing him around Centerpoint. Jason, speaking of reports, might have left something out of his report. The fact that he decided that Thraken needed to die. Yeah. he That he needed to die. Lied straight up. He left that out. Yes, he did. Left that out of the report. He, he, he doesn't give Luke the full info. Whereas just not that long ago, earlier... Before they get attacked, he's questioning Luke about is he making his decisions with all the information? Is he is he taking this seriously and looking at it from every angle? Meanwhile, he's withholding information from him. Yeah. He decides not to tell him and he says, It's good enough that I know. It's good enough that I know. I'll be able to make the decisions with all the information. Look at that turn of face right there. You are a thirty year old man. You're not a teenager, as I've always read these books as yeah, being. Yeah. You are a 30-year-old man who is, in one breath, complaining that you're not being listened to, and then in the next breath, lying to your uncle and the head of your church, so so to speak. Yeah. Like, well, two-faced. Really two-faced, man. He kind of complains that Luke doesn't seem to trust him as much as he used to. Yeah. Maybe Luke's picking up on this kind of vibe that he's not telling me everything. He's being a little dishonest. I can't pull my finger on exactly what, but Luke's got to be able to sense something Yeah, something's like that. steering him away. So maybe that is kind of building up why Luke doesn't seem to trust him as much anymore. But you just keep seeing over and over again, he's making bad decisions because of his pride. Oh, and yeah. he's just so easily, he's so smart, he's so easily able to rationalize his own motives that... He, he can convince himself he's doing the right thing. <laughs> like, like Luke said before, it's easy to convince yourself you're doing the wrong thing enough times for the right reason that it's still okay. Well, here you are lying to the Grand Master, withholding information from an investigation that has your whole family's lives at stake. And you decide it's good enough that I know. Yeah. This is like some real hubris. This is some straight ancient Greek hubris right here. Like, I know best, I can handle it, and I don't need any help. Yeah, is he he's now he's acting like everyone he's acting the way everyone has told him that he's always been special, entitled. Yeah. He's acting that way like now. When when you're told that all your life, it gets into your brain. Never mind, you know. All the other experiences he's had along the way. Yeah. But just simply being told all the time that you're amazing. And then you are amazing. Like, you are. <laughs> you're one of the great... Anyways. Anyways, Jaina pipes up. I've got something. Remember? From last week? From the airlock. What was in her hand? 
We only had to wait three pages for this little reveal. <laughs> <laughs> but for all of us listeners out here and podcasters, it was an entire week to find out what was in her hand. And what's in her hand? Major payoff. Psych. Some kind of bead thing. Yeah. Some 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 kind of like a <laughs> it was so anticlimactic. Like, like something a ten year old makes with a craft set. So some some bead thing. Like different colors and patterns. Uh, no time to talk about that though. Uh, the delegation heads are are getting morning report calls from their governments and they have to go report in what happened. No time to discuss beads. We have to go deal with government business. Gill says once he reports it, it's over. Bye bye. No more negotiations right now. And wedge. He's going to be the one who has to answer the call to the grill, to the Karelian government, yeah. because the prime minister Saxon has a plate-sized hole in her chest. Oh yeah, plate-sized Ouch. hole! I forgot um, about the plate. So, the government officials leave, and Luke starts assigning new orders to his Jedi team. He wants Jason and Ben to track that Force user. There must be some trace of her throughout the the station. There must be something you can pick up on when you're looking for it directly. Jane and Zach, he wants what he wants them to find out what the heck this bead thing is. <laughs> what is this bead thing? Check this bead thing out. And then when you're done that, go take over Hardpoint Squadron for me. I, they need a commander. I'm not there. Uh, after you've done that, go take over my squadron for me. Thanks. Wherever they may be, we'll find out. What does he want Leia and Han to do? He wants them to be referees for the government and secret note passers. This guy has a very specific vision for what he wants everybody to do. Luke and Mara are going to be heading to Karelia to find out who arranged this. What I... a bad mission to have for Jaina and Zek. <laughs> By the way, here's this thing none of us know anything about. Try and well, just Well, you're Jedis. You solve mysteries, that I guess. very uh, easily could have just been a piece of artwork hanging in one of the conference went- rooms. Yeah. Or a hotel room yeah. type of thing. Or like a, a, a coaster. Like a <laughs> doily. Like, yeah. I don't... They describe it, but I can't wrap my head around what this thing really is. It's some kind of like, you know, we have them here on planet Earth. Some kind of like ancient language knot rope. Rope knot language. It kind of, in that respect, it reminds me of like the Native American, and I'm pretty sure I'm pronouncing this wrong, Hiawatha belts. Where it's just like a little belt or a long strand of um, beads all kind of woven together. And it just makes like this pretty pattern. But it actually tells a story. Right. With just the beats. And it's I think it is a lot like that. Yeah. The, we'll get there when they get some information about it. But I think it is a lot like that. It's it's definitely more interesting than it's described in the book. Like, describing what it looks like in the book just doesn't... I don't know. It doesn't It doesn't grasp no. me. No, they it keep saying convoluted. tassels of beads. Yeah, and every time somebody says tassels, I just think of booby tassels. Like, I just... <laughs> immediately, I think of Big Daddy. I don't know. Okay. I don't know why. You know, I'm a child. But I do like how clearly he just lays out what's going to be happening for the next couple of chapters. Yeah. Like, he literally goes, okay, you're going here to do this. You're going there to do this. You're going here to do this. Here's what I'm going to do. And this is when Ben speaks up. His parents tell him that they're going to Karelia. And he says, they're after me too, aren't they? That was Ben, speaking for the first time since the Jedi had reconvened. His expression and voice were somber, not afraid, but far more serious than a 13-year-old should be. And Luke felt a lump begin to form in his throat. Yes, he said. If they're after Jason because of Centerpoint Station, they're after you too. Your youth may not mean anything to them, but understand me. 
regardless of who they are or how highly they're placed, I'm not going to tolerate the continued... He checked himself before he said existence. Revenge was not the way of the Jedi, not even when one's own son had been the subject of a murder attempt. The continued freedom of people who target children for assassination. Yep. He's he's so like he's so worried about Ben and his safety to the point of wanting revenge. Well, this is why the old Jedi's would say you have no attachments. I'm pretty sure Luke's actually touched on that exact mental um, philosophy at least once already, and yeah. I think he's gonna. A couple oh, it's more gonna times. definitely come up a lot, and even Mara too. Immediately, they both want to kill whoever attacked their baby, because yeah. you would. I mean, hey, she's a little less conservative about <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, being the former hand of the emperor, uh, you, you you have a little more cynical view of the world. <laughs> yeah, but. The other thing that I thought was interesting here that they say, Luke tells Mara, it's never good to hope to kill. Not even if it's Thraken and Sal Solo and it would save the entire galaxy for more. Is it still not good to hope to kill then? Like that's, yeah, that's a, there's a message in there for Jason that I don't even think Luke knows that he, he does obviously doesn't know that Jason needs that message, but that is, is that like, you guys think that's like the force speaking through him or something like i don't know maybe the force is re- reaching desperately through all the people around jason to try to correct his path well and that's that's kind of the kind of the light side view of the force is that it guides your hand and all that mm-hmm. and so it guides your intuition yeah things like that so it could be it could be that way could be everybody leaves the station Except for Jaina, Zach, Ben, and Jason. Everybody else leaves to go do their things immediately. And Jason, he inspects the tassel. He grabs it out of Jaina's hands. He says, let me see that. Let me see that twin sister. Hand me that. Let me check it out. And he starts to get an impression from it. Jason could almost read the artist's intent. The smooth tan represents peace, he told himself. The jagged black lines, strife. The curled threads are hooks or claws. The moral? Even a peaceful life will know strife, and strife presents hooks to drag you farther into the strife, a trap for the unwary. There was more to it than that he knew, or at least felt. There was some sort of story involved in the message, but he couldn't puzzle it out. So like you said, like 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 the uh, like the Native American story strings, I don't know. I don't yeah. I don't mean to be dismissive, I don't know what else to call it. But it seems like very much the same thing. It's it's a particular pattern woven into these tassels that tell a story. Then for some reason, either by design or not, specifically left, yeah. seems like for Jason, because everybody had a hand on it, and he's he, the only one that wanted to take a second look. And, that, and then he tells Jaina, I'm feeling something from these beads. I want to switch assignments. Jaina says, sure, let's tell Luke. Oh my God! Jason says no. Let's not tell Luke because yeah. he keeps second guessing me. So I'm not going to tell the Grandmaster what I'm doing or where I'm gonna be with his son. Yeah, buddy, wake up! What <laughs> like? What are you doing? Going rogue. 
why does he just keep choosing to leave Luke out? And then he gets mad that he thinks Luke isn't making decisions with enough information. Well, give your head a shake, bud, because you're the source of the problem. I don't know if you know that, but you're lying to your uncle, your boss, your grandmaster, and you're leaving out a lot of pertinent information. That could probably be helpful. Oh, Luke's making decisions without enough information that I haven't been giving him. Yeah. And again, like, it's just him making the same, makes the same mistake again. It's, it's ridiculous. Then we cut to Ben and Luke and Mara. Ben wants everyone to go to Karelia with Luke and Mara. Everyone. Cousins, too. He wants to go as a family to arrest Thraken. Uh, arrest? Well, he gets he comes around to arrest. Luke says, we can't act just because we are mad. We need evidence. Ben says, we can do it when we're cold inside. Jason's cold inside a lot. How's that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're getting just hammered here with reflections of Jason Solo, A, doing the wrong thing, B, convincing himself he's doing the right thing, and C, being apparent to the people around him that he is cold and empty and calculating. Yeah. It's a picture is being painted here of this man in a particular way, and it's not really a flattering light so far, even though I'm deathly in love with Jason Solo. No, and... And like Luke and Mara try to explain to him that that coldness could just be him like shutting his emotions, believing in the yeah. force, stuff like that. Yeah. But they're it's almost like Ben saying, No, he's cold and they're trying to rationalize it. And is that another example of them second guessing these kids though? Where he, he says something to them and they brush it off and tell him it's something else. Yeah. Well I think it's um he says, hey. I mean, I know he's 13. He's cold. To 30. And they're like, well, what you're sensing as cold is actually, and they're trying to interpret mm-hmm. and tell, teach him, like, no, no, what you're feeling as cold isn't mm-hmm. actually that. It's this to kind of help teach him about what he's sensing in the force. It's like, a, it, but it, it almost seems like an obvious blindness where they're just unwilling to think about Jason in a negative light. Yeah. Because, because he's family, because he's in charge of their son like for so many reasons you're gonna see people turning a blind eye to him over and over over the beginning of this book here where people just kind of look the other way when jason's being cold or calculating because that's jason that's who he is you know that's how he gets things done he always gets the job done he's always a hero well look at uh star wars episode two when padme is just survived an assassination attempt sorry padme you did it again god damn that's it so when she survives the assassination attempt and she's like i think count dooku is behind it and uh mace windu himself says Mm -hmm. he he's a former jedi it's not in his character right boy were they wrong turning a blind eye to the dark side inside their colleagues and close well, I mean, he really fell to the dark People. side after he left the Jedi Order, so they yeah. might not have even seen him since but he still, left the Order. But still, how do you? How does a guy leave the Jedi Order and you say zero suspicion that he could have turned into a bad guy? Well, you know um, what? I'm, like that is the willful ignorance that's on a subconscious level. There was another Jedi I was reading about because Count Dooku's um, one of the Lost Twenty, which is like 20 Jedi yeah. masters in the whole history of the Jedi order yeah. who have willingly went, I'm going to walk away. Not mm-hmm. just, they fell to the dark side, just walked away, called it quits. Yeah. Dooku was, I think the last one 
in the order, but one of the first ones actually <laughs> until, fell until to the, the dark one. side. Yeah. And like a lot, of, several of them have actually, they left the order and then after that fell to the dark side. It's like, how did you guys not right. maybe and, keep tabs well, on them? And so then there to prove that point again is like, Hey, it's already happened uh, 19 other times. Well, not all of them. Not all of them, but hey, some of, of them. some of them. So why would it be out of the realm of possibility for Count Dooku to come back and be touched by the dark side of the force? Willful ignorance. Choosing to be blind to the evil things happening around you. What is that What is that saying? Like, there is no evil. There is only pacifism or something like like the worst, the worst thing you can do is sit idly by while evil does its own work. Yeah, well, yeah, well, I, I'm missing a major just well, uh, evil <laughs> pervades or something like that. I know what you. Uh, you something know. along the lines of um, we'll get it. Evil is allowed to flourish while good men do nothing. That's it. Something like that's that. That's right. Something, yeah. something a lot like that. Yeah, and that's what we're seeing. Might be exactly that. I'm not sure. But. I mean, the well, guy. I think I'm off a little. The bit. guy's lying. He wants to kill. And he's keeping secrets. I mean, I don't think he wants to kill Thraken. I think he feels he has to. Well, I know. I think he wants to now that he thinks that he has to. Yeah. Right. I don't think it kind was of, just like a chicken egg. I want to kill you. I think it's more of a. To it. I was. I feel that. I have to yeah. kill this guy. <laughs> and now he, it's it's driving him now. Yeah. He's gonna try to do an evil to prevent a greater evil. But how? But in in order to. Just based on Ben's description here of him being cold, how many evils is he willing to commit to get to that point? Well, that's back to the thing that Luke Skywalker said is how many times can the ends justify the means before the means are wrong? Like how many times can yeah. you convince yourself you're doing the right thing? You 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 build a pyramid of lies. But when you yeah. build an argument based hey, on a whole series of such times, you may find that you've constructed an entire philosophy of evil. Entire philosophy of evil. Constructed while the people around you will turn up, willfully turn a blind eye and refuse to believe the possibility of badness in you. Because you're so special. But maybe it is just Luke and Mara trying to explain it away. I don't even think it's a conscious decision on their part right now. I don't know. I no, definitely not. No, no, it's no, all no. definitely subconscious. All things like that are, but maybe they are just trying to explain it away. Ben says he he envies the kids whose parents just say, "Do this because I say so." He yeah. says that that must be easy. Thinking is hard. Having things explained to you is hard. And man, that hit home with me. Like that is the way I parent my kids is let me tell you why you shouldn't do this. And I we're going to have a three-minute conversation about it instead of me saying, because I said so. Because I hate that nonsense. That doesn't that doesn't help anybody. I just, I, I think about that. I've thought about this before. It must be exhausting for my kids to sit there and, like, listen to me explain to you for the 100th time why you shouldn't yell in the house this afternoon or whatever it may whatever be. Whatever it is, Instead yeah. of just being like, stop, tell them stop, you know? I don't know. I just that was that was a really human moment. Like that that was a nice little touch of writing there. Ben goes on to say there never seems to be a right answer, and Mara comes in with another shadow of advice. Watch out for people who tell you they have the answer. It seems like this whole conversation is just a lot of foreshadowing of upcoming conflicts, but in but like in a broad sense, like. 
thinking for yourself versus following along, following your, yeah. your orders and your duty, um, dealing with your emotions versus having a, a logical reason for acting, which I mean, that's probably pretty standard, pretty standard Jedi conflicts, but we're seeing them expressed in a lot of different ways yeah. through the lens of these different characters. It's really neat. This is where everybody leaves for their missions. Not earlier. My bad. Leaving Jaina, Jason, Ben, and Zach on the station for investigation. Jason's first order, sleep. Chapter 22. That's a good first order. <laughs> that is a good first order. Because really, they hadn't slept all night. The first order. Suck on that one, Snoke. Take it. Take it. Chapter 22, Coronet, Corellia. Luke and Mara are clearing customs on Corellia disguised as... Luke and Mara. Impersonators of themselves. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That is Brilliant. so good. The guard, the guard goes, you're too short to be Luke Skywalker. Good touch. Come on. What a beautiful callback to A New Hope. And Aren't you a little short to be a stormtrooper? No, when yeah. I was reading this, I'm like, oh man, Mara's going to chirp about this later. Yeah, yeah I she know totally it. does. She yeah. totally does. And the, I, I like that. The guy calls him short and Luke puts on the whiny voice. Like, ah, oh, I was going to go to Toshi Station and get some power converters. Like, I can just totally hear a stupid yeah. surfer boy whiny voice. I loved it. I loved this whole yeah. part here. And it, uh, his response, I can do backflips just like him. <laughs> <laughs> I laughed out yeah. loud. The guard, yep, sure you can. Sure you can. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Uh, it was, it's a nice little respite from all the grimness that has been the last 12 straight chapters. But what this really reminded light. me of is like a customs official at an airport in vegas welcoming all the elvis impersonators right, Just, right. yeah yes. sure because okay. these Blue are the shoes. most Got it. Yeah. famous okay. people in the galaxy like yeah. these are the people who have saved the galaxy several times and met it more times than most people probably even know about and so they're there under guise of we are actors acting in a thing as these people and han and leia are doing exactly the same scam they even hired extra actors as other people playing their friends to help sell the lie at customs. This is friggin' brilliant. And Luke even says, like, it'll only work one time, but it'll get us in there. I just, yeah. I'm like, this is great, man. That's just so, that's so clever. We're the most famous people in the galaxy. We're going to hide ourselves in plain sight. They all split up, and Luke heads to the Jedi Enclave here in Coronet. What does it look like? A lot like the fancy beat art. The tan walls, speckled black, green windows, and a blue and black fence all around. It's a school. It's picture, picture, close your eyes, picture a school. Yeah. That's it. But it is the exact colors that were just described in the previous chapter of this tassel. The tassel has, has a main, a main cord down the middle. That's blue and black interweaved like the fence. The, ta- the one tassel that was speaking to Jason was tan with brown flecks all over it. Exactly like the Jedi Enclave. And this is... The thing is just... It's painting with broad strokes here. Keep those themes in mind. Keep those yeah. colors in the back of your head because things are going to line up there. The Enclave is closed by the police and guarded. Though still vandalized, so I guess the... Police aren't doing that great of a job. Corsac's not doing that great of a job. Uh, I don't think they're there to stop people from spray painting anti-Jedi stuff on the sign. You're right. They're not there to protect the building. They're there to watch for returners. Yeah. (laughs) Um, My bad. That's an oversight by me. Thank you, Kevin. That's why Kevin is here, ladies and gentlemen, for the logic. 
that I often mess on. <laughs> but there's lots of anti-Jedi stuff sprayed all over the thing. Even a Sal Solo quote, which was pretty funny. What, whatever it was, if you... Who places philosophy above planet has betrayed both. Yes. What a perfect warmongering kind of quote. Yes. Divide the people. You're with us or you're against us. So Luke, Luke sneaks by the guard, jumps the fence, heads for a secret window-looking door, and whistles three notes into his space phone. This is some classic fantasy stuff right here. Like, this is straight up The Hobbit. When the thrush knocks three times, stand by the wooden the, the stone door and you'll find the way into the mountains of whatever the fuck. Erebor. Yes. It is, it is, that's the, it's, it's classic fantasy trope, but it's also classic like wartime stuff where, what's the signal? I'll, I'll. Like, three I'll, times. I'll, I'll, I'll make the sound of a robin. You mean a grackle? Not a grackle, a robin. Don't you know the difference? Like, it's just one of those, like, it's classic old timey little thing that they stuck in there he just whistles three notes into his space phone and it opens up a secret window door yeah he crosses a dark quiet classroom and he's greeted on the other side of the door by a silver lightsaber what it's corin horn and we get a description corin horn was about luke's age and height but a bit stockier of build broader in the shoulder grandson of a famous carillion jedi of the old republic era He'd come into recognition and training of his Jedi powers even later than Luke had. Careers as a Corsac officer and Rebel Alliance fighter pilot had come first. As conflicted as he might have been in the early days about aptitudes, duties, and careers, he was now a Jedi Master, whose graying hair and beard gave visual support to his reputation as an elder statesman of the Order. Alright, here's a question. How many Jedi Masters in this new Order... Are former fighter pilots for the the rebels? Almost all of them. It seems like it. Almost all of them. They didn't look very far across the galaxy for other mm. Jedi. It doesn't seem. No, Luke they're like friends in. They're like, <laughs> oh, Rogue <laughs> yeah. Squadron. It's all right. Just, it's just a best friends club. The whole yeah. Thing. And then you know. And I then mean, Han. I mean, I you know a few. I don't know. I don't. We get into more of who all the other grandmasters are later on in the books, yeah. but it just does that seem is like inter- eh, they're all fighter it, pilots. Definitely so far in this book. Everybody that we've been running into is former rebel oh, yeah. military. Either a former spy or a former fighter pilot. Yeah, yeah, either a pilot or spy. We don't have too many other classes in Star Wars RPG. No, that's just it. Psych. But, Cornhorn is here in the Jedi Enclave. He has a wife. Her name is Mirax. She is a smuggler. So, oh, there's another class. Well, probably a pilot. Not a fighter but not a pilot. military pilot. Not a fighter pilot. So kind of dipping in the same water, but she is here on Coronet, stuck under house arrest. Her and Han are in the smuggler pool. Yeah. Corsac has her under house arrest, and his kids, Gisela and Valen, are they're Jedi's. He has no idea where they are. I keep saying Jedi's, I know that's not cool. They are Jedi. And he has no idea where they are. He says, Luke, you probably know better than me. I don't know where my kids are. It's nine o'clock. Do you know where your kids are? I don't know nothing. They're talking about the Karelian Jedi that who are on the Enclave. How are they doing? Luke wants to know. How's it going? Cornhorn says, putting your family above the greater good is the new Jedi meaning of attachments. Essentially is what he says here in this conversation. Yeah. We allow attachments with the caveat that they 
absolutely come behind the greater good. You can have a wife, you can have a husband, you can have kids, but you better be ready to let them go at a moment's notice. And based on the example so far, nobody wants to do that at all. Nobody wants to put the greater good ahead of their personal relationships. Everybody wants to uh, avenge every attack that happens against them immediately. Everybody wants to kill somebody to save the galaxy. Maybe not everybody wants to do that, but somebody for sure. It's, a, it's, it's all very un-Jedi-like. Like they are almost in the same spot where we were with the Jedi Temple uh, by the time we come to the end of Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith. Almost at the same spot where now they've built up to this point of power and influence again where they just seem to be blind to the darkness around them or even within them. Like, Luke, Mara doesn't stop herself from saying, I'm going to smoke these fools. No. Not at all. No, she doesn't. She And she doesn't give any kind of remorse for saying things like that at all, ever. She's a straight-up assassin who is now a Jedi, but has not given up her murderous ways, necessarily, in her own mind. Anyway. What I love about... Like, I love the the old Republic Jedi. They're, they're awesome. But what I do really enjoy about the new Republic in the Jedi order that Luke has built is it's like everyone has a former career and they all multi-classed into Jedi, Mm -hmm. but they're still their old careers first. Right. It's amazing. It's like your Jedi duty is lowest on your list of duties. Yeah. And then they're talking about the Corellians here in in the Enclave on Corellia, the Corellian Jedi. What should I do with them? Luke says to Cornhorn. And he's Corrin says they're rattled. They need to be moved. The Jedi, the, the adult Jedi who are Corillian here, they need to be moved. They need to be sent somewhere where they can do their work without all the strings of attachment pulling them. Well, what should we do about the young kids? Move them further from their family? There's no right answer. Yeah. Yeah. It's either leave them in a potentially hostile situation where they're going to be contacted by the Corillian's uh, military to yeah. try to work against the Jedi yeah. or leave your family which is another like nice little foreshadowing there (laughs) like you said there's no good answer there is no right answer sometimes let that echo out as we cut to mara set up on top of a police precinct spying on thraken's house i like to imagine it's nine 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 (laughs) she's on the outside waiting for the night tu is on the inside of the mansion waiting for the night not mansion i guess compound bunker is more the word eventually mara makes her way over to thraken's property all kinds of sensors and alarms and stuff everywhere. How does she do it? How's she going to get over there? She uses three force powers at the same time. Levitates. She pushes some air around. Make it look like a breeze. And she contains her heat around her body in a tight shell. Sort of a tight layer. She keeps her heat yeah. glued close to her body. So she doesn't trip any of the heat sensors. Only a Jedi Master could focus on all three at once. Psych, she walks right into a wall. <laughs> I thought that was great. <laughs> she's just, she's thinking to herself the whole time across this property, like, okay, I got to focus. I got to make sure, okay, don't let any heat out or else you might get picked up by the sensors. To make sure you don't stop levitating. If you touch the ground, you're going to get busted. Wham, she just walks right into the wall. Right into the outside of the house. But but the walls don't have sensors on them, apparently. <laughs> Only the ground. <laughs> I don't know. I just thought, like, she's not at all concerned that she smashed her face on the wall. Like, yeah. she's like, oh, I didn't give myself away. Nope, nope, not in a million years. No, this guy's got crazy, like, 
ground sensors and heat yeah. sensors, air movement sensors. Uh, he didn't even get no sensors on the wall. Yeah, mm-hmm. He's got tech off the hook. It's just getting outrageous out here. What happens next? A little bit of low tech. TU throws a little space winch over the wall and pulls Mara right up into one of Thraken's secret escape chambers. TU has been here now for a week or two. While everybody else has been, uh, you know, going back to their normal sort of lives. She's been out here hiding out in Thraken's compound, gathering information and being the spy on the inside. This escape chamber that she has found just so happens to be complete with a getaway vehicle. Mara decides she's going to rest until the right time to search Thraken's personal chamber. Which to me just sounds like an excuse to have a nap. Chapter 23. Still on Corellia. Han and Leia meet with the new Prime Minister. Talk about names? I like this name. Denjax Tepler. What do you guys think about that name? I like the first name. Denjax? You don't like the Tepler? No. I don't know why I like it. it. It's too much like I, we weren't a fan of Red Stepla. <laughs> right? It's, I guess. I see. Denjax Tepla. I don't, like I don't first, know. First name is good. Tepler, mm, it's, it's okay. It's, it's no jick lip. No, but it's all right. Yeah. Jicklip didn't set the bar that high. No, it's a low bar. You just step over that bar. But new Prime Minister Denjax Tepler has brought Han and Leia to spy on a secret military meeting that even he's being left out of about what action should be taken on Trallis, where the GA is occupying the capital of Relidir. He sets them up with box seats and a tinted viewport. How much, what better view can you ask than that? He thinks the only way to get the GA off Trallis is a strike, an act of war. Again, coming back to, they're not going to pull out because they'll lose face. They have to protect their pride. If we try to negotiate with them now, we don't have a prime minister who's going to negotiate in good faith of staying out of war. I, I, the new prime minister, don't have anybody to back me up. And that's also part of why you're here. Because I need you guys to kind of also spy on everybody in the meeting. And let me know if they're at all... I'm pretty sure none of them are going to be loyal to me. But let me know. Let me know if you pick up on anything. I like how a lot of the people in the GA accuse the Karelians of being too proud and too whatever. Yeah. And then that's exactly what they're doing. They are, they are throwing insults at a mirror. Everybody yeah. on both sides. They're saying the same things about each other. Which is kind of a mirror of... Of, of Luke and Jason where more so on Jason's side where he is doing things that he says he has a problem with. I'm going to have to remember that one throwing insults at a mirror. I like it. Yeah. Oh, just, you know, that's just nonsense. I like but it. Cut back to Mara and TU. Mara uses Thraken's blood, a glove of his fingerprints and a hollow projection of his face to hack into his computer. Speaking of reflections, this sounds like a little bit of an echo of the Anibot. Yes. Oh, Annie, you're a robot. Um, like this is, we spent a lot of time talking about like, oh man, that's messed up. They use this biometric data to make a robot. Is it, it seems pretty common or it's just common for Thraken, but it, she doesn't seem at all disturbed that she's got a vial of his blood and his fingerprints printed on a fake glove. And, I think it's a little different because she's a she didn't make a Thraken <laughs> robot. Right. I know. And she like did make a sentient it, so thing about it. Yeah, I guess. I think it's a little different. It it's is still kind of shady. It's different but... levels of the same thing, I think. But yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. They are they are quite different. But, but they made... are very similar. <laughs> yeah, they are very similar. The end result is the same. But 
Do the ends justify the means? This time, definitely. With the robot, probably not. Not so much. That was well. Usually, the ends justifying the means is a reflection of like, hey, I killed one person to save a hundred people. But this case, it's like. I stole some of this man's blood to hack his computer. I stole some of this dead kid's DNA to make a robot to protect a murdering weapon. Technically, I think Mara says she actually legally purchased the blood. No, I think she said she illegally purchased it. No, I, th- I thought she said she purchased it from a thing. No. I don't remember. So, there was money. Shady spy contacts, Recently bro. purchased this, purchased surreptitiously and at an extravagant oh, okay. surreptitiously. price. Yes. So. But she manages to hack into his computer and what does she find? Good work. She finds in his space email a message. Detailing all the info on Toria's station negotiations. Where everybody was going to be, who's going to be there, what time, blah, blah, blah. Whether or not he acted on the information, he's already guilty of treason. The Prime Minister was killed. Yeah, he like either said, acted on it and did hole it, in the chest. or he sat back, sat on this information, didn't warn security. And the idle hands of man allow evil to reign further. Here we are seeing ripples of this puddle over and over again. Pretty pretty simple reflections, but I like them. Mara decides, I'm going to download his files, and then we're going to get in that speeder that we found in that escape room, and we're going to bounce. Meanwhile, Han and Leia are waiting for this meeting to start. And so are all the people down inside the meeting. They're all waiting for one more person to arrive. Who is it? Three, two, one. Wedge. <laughs> it's Wedge. Yeah. All the, there, there's, a, there's a Karelian Admiral there. Everybody waits for Wedge. Everybody everybody waits for Wedge. I love how it's like, I think there was already some people in the room. Then the Admiral comes in with like her whole big yeah. like retinue, whatever it is. And it's like and a that, false, it's yeah. like a false start sort yeah. of where you think the meeting is going to start. And then Wedge walks in by himself. Yeah, by himself. Just. Oh. As he is wont to do, the man has very little time for any politicking, but he certainly wants to try to keep Corellia on the right path. He wants to keep everybody safe and he doesn't want to lose lives. Yeah, he doesn't he doesn't actually like the politics and the double talk and all that. No, but... he's not into it, but you do it cuz it's your duty. Yeah. You put aside your emotions and you do your duty. Karelian Admiral Carthus begins laying out the plan to retake Trallis. The GA command post has to be obliterated. Han and Leia notice she doesn't mention minimizing civilian casualties. That's a little disconcerting. The GA has holed up in a massive theater in the heart of a super densely populated civilian area. So they, they pretty much they, they put themselves in among the sheep to try to hide from the wolves. Like we're we're gonna hide we're gonna hide in the most vulnerable area to try to dissuade you from launching an attack on us. Also, it's it was a it was a good position. I but, think they picked it more for the strategic availability i think and both. and not so much because i don't think they've mentioned anything about hiding uh, using civilians as shields yet. well we have we haven't gotten any perspective from the ga actually at all since they've since they've taken over the uh, relative we haven't gotten the perspective of anybody on there yet but we will coming up Carthus's plan commandos will be on the ground to take out the shield generators and then brand new very obviously Karelian ships will take bombing runs at the center Followed by a support group made to look like GA ships to blame all the casualties on the GA. Yep. So these ships are going to come in behind the obviously Karelian ones. They look like the GA. 
and they are going to launch their missiles at the shields as well with no regard at all for the civilian population around them. They want to set up sort of a false flag attack. Like this is some this is some World War One stuff, man. This, this is the sinking of the Lusitania. Or maybe that was World War Two. Either way, there's some false flag operation where the Americans were like, hey, man, they sunk our battleship over there. They sunk our submarine. That's not cool. We need to go to war. And then they did. And then it turned out that wasn't true. That was yeah. just a lie to make everybody want to go to war. So here we are sitting here with the Karelian government saying, we're going to run a false flag operation here. We're going to kill a bunch of our own people. We're going to blame it on them. And then, you know, somehow that's going to make a, make everything better and we won't go to war for some reason. That's cold, calculated, and dark. But. Enter Wedge. But it's a sacrifice for the greater good. And at, at the heart of Star Wars, everything is sacrifice. The Empire, they sacrifice all their troopers with disregard. That's a cold sacrifice. The Rebellion, everybody joining the Rebellion sacrifices their normal life, and a lot of them sacrifice their lives for the greater good. Luke, he is that guy. He leaves his family behind. He gives up his dreams of being a racer on his home planet to for the greater good. And to fight the good fight. He continues to do that. He sent Ben to center point. Same thing. Leia, always sacrificing for the greater good. I'm not going to tell you where the rebel base is. Bye-bye, home planet. Sacrificing for the greater good. Even Han nah. Solo. He sacrifices his career as a smuggler and his reputation as a smooth guy and a badass and a carefree attitude. He sacrifices his life for a new life in the rebellion for the greater good. And maybe the ultimate sacrifice in all of the movies is Darth Vader. He sacrifices everything that he's already sacrificed in the name of the greater good. He sacrifices all of that to kill the emperor, to save Luke Skywalker and to bring balance back to the force. Sacrifice, sacrifice, yeah. Everything in Star Wars is about sacrifice. You don't want to do it, but you have to do it. You might push against it and pull against it, but you are going to eventually go in that direction. You are going to do it unless you're smart enough to convince yourself that you are doing the right thing all along the way. And then you can build your argument on a pile of lies or whatever the accurate quote was from, from earlier. But as Kevin said earlier, Wedge doesn't like this plan. He, get, he can do it without all the death. The Admiral looks like she's about ready to reply, but psych! The light in the booth next to Han and Leia's turns on. Turns out, Sal Solo has been watching the whole time. In fact, he helped devise this little operation. And he says, let's hear your better plan, Wedge. Wedge starts telling him his plan. Meanwhile, the whole time, Thracken is just threatening him. So, yeah. Hey, you'll be sweeping streets. Hey, you better not. Hey, you better not tell me my idea was bad, cause that will make you get in trouble. Just you know, paint him as a bad guy. Lay it on pretty thick there. Wedge's plan: access the command center, the GA command center, the theater that they've taken over in downtown Relidir. How are you gonna get there? You access the command center by blowing our way in through the neighbor's basement. 
We're going to blow a hole in the road. We're going to fly into the neighbor's basement. We're going to blow a hole in the neighbor's basement. And we're going to pop into there. We're going to get in there. We're going to put all our droids in there. And we're going to make sure the droids paint precision laser targeting for all of our strikes. That way, we minimize all the civilian casualties. And he's going to aim for the top of the shield dome. Yes. So that, and then he's going to have the missiles go straight up in the air. And straight And down. then go straight down at the middle of it. So, so any misses will minimize damage to all that densely populated area around them. Well, it's a pretty, pretty better plan. Pretty better than Thraken's plan. It's pretty better. And uh, more gooder. He makes he makes one gooder point here. That is, <laughs> he wants the bombers to be flown by vets. Way less collateral damage than you, you idiot. Sal Solo, take that in your face. And in fact, Thraken likes this plan. And Leia, picking up on the veteran's comment, is nervous. Chapter 24, Toriaz Station. Jason is having a little hollow chit-chat with a Twi'lek scholar. The scholar tells him the tassel is like a thought, an idea. It's a form of writing. The only one that this guy can decode says... He will strengthen himself through pain. That thought is in an ancient Twi'lek language, not recorded for 500 years. I thought that was this is some cool world building and and and, and, and like culture building where they start talking about the Twi'lek language, and he says like, "Hey, we're not all just one Twi'lek. Like you, like we're like you humans. There's different people from different places on this yeah. planet, and it's like, man, that's the." thing that star wars never was in the 70s is everything got just labeled with a big fat thick label of you are this alien you are this alien whatever you all probably speak the same language are you crazy how many different languages are there on earth and it's all just people dude there's like 50 in china i know that's bonkers (laughs) but when have you ever considered that before when they go to an alien planet or talk to an alien you're like yeah. Yeah, but how do you understand him if he's speaking French alien and you speak Spanish alien? You're only kind of closer. How do you, you know what I mean? Weird. I just thought that really struck me. That was an interesting thought there. The only time I've ever even remember thinking about it, even when I read these books the first time, was later reading the, I, when I read the Han Solo trilogy, they go to Kashyyyk. Yeah. And there's a whole bunch of different yeah. Wookiee languages. Yeah. They all growl and, and purr in, 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 in different in, dialects. In, yeah. Somehow. <laughs> Either way, the scholar, the Twi'lek scholar tells Jason, I can't translate the rest of it at all. Like, not not even a bit. I recommend you take this little doohickey to a planet called Lord. With two R's. They are smart there. <laughs> ben senses Jason is worried about the tassel. Jason says, yeah, it's probably about me. He straight he straight up says, I think this is talking about me. Remember, I used to be tortured by the Yuzhan Vong. Remember, torture and stuff and pain and stuff and space pain. Remember, that's me. This tassel's probably about me. Is this his hubris again? Is this his arrogance again? Or is he on the right track? Because nobody else got any feeling from it. I think, I think at this point, with such a little information, it's a little bit of both. Yeah, I think with so little information on it, I'm going to go 60-40 in the way of hubris. (laughs) Yeah, he seems to be really, like... I mean, we were talking about this in the beginning, right? Like, how cocky all the Jedi were. Yeah. But this guy especially is so confident to second-guess the Grandmaster. Like, 
Corn Horn sees Luke Skywalker in the school and he's like, Oh my God, it's Luke Skywalker. You're here to save me. Like you're here yeah. to rescue me. Every, every other Jedi other than his wife and family that come upon him, they revere him and they, and they appreciate his, his information or, or, or his, his advice on yeah. a level that I don't, I don't see Jason doing that. He takes everything everybody says to him and kind of holds it at arm's length and looks at it from a distance before letting any of it get anywhere near the things that he believes or thinks. Yeah. Like he seems like a guy who would be so hard to change his mind where, where he is so smart that he convinces himself no matter what, that he's right. I do this all the time. It sounds like me. Cause I think I'm so smart, you know, but like you, you do, you do it where you're just like, I can justify doing this right now because of reasons that I'm smart enough to convince myself are right. And he's smart enough and good enough in everything that he does that yeah. he can convince everyone else too. Like, a as lot of the as time. Kid Rock once said, the, as the, in the mortal words of Kid Rock, it ain't being cocky if you back it up. And <laughs> Jason do, he back it up all <laughs> over the place. Juvenile. Cut to Coronet, Corellia. Back in Han and Leia's box seat, only Wedge is left in the meeting room when Thracken's voice booms out again. I'm going to paraphrase this conversation here. Thracken says, tell your daughter over there in the GA fleet to be my spy, or else. Wedge says no. Thracken says, that's an order. I told you to do it. Wedge says, hell no. Go to hell. Go to hell. Thracken says, fine, I'll do it myself. And Wedge says, go ahead. This is the most childishly written argument in the world. Like, yeah. just two stubborn fools who, which we've seen that a lot of already from Wedge, and definitely Thracken. I mean, he's he's a villain, right? So he he's gonna have negative personality traits to him. But Wedge is the same way. Where, good luck telling him anything. Good. Um, oh my! Imagine having an argument with any of the people in this book about something that they think they're right about. Wedge, same way. Other than Luke Skywalker, I would argue. The, the way Wedge kind of comes across is like the quiet military genius. Yeah. But he has no time for being questioned. In this one argument, he almost seems like he's got this mentality of, I'm so great, you need me, I'm untouchable. Well, especially in the situation where the situation where he doesn't want to be there. Yeah. He doesn't want to be doing this. And all the people around him that are doing it are idiots. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Or just bad people. Well, One I mean, or, like, are, are yeah. they idiots? Or are they idiots compared to Wedge Antilles? Right. Yeah. The genius battle master. That's a good yeah. point, man. Because... He did. He very quickly came up with a better plan than the one that he had just heard moments yeah. before. And he made it basically on his iPhone. Yeah, yeah. He had his data pad and he points it at the thing. It was a little PowerPoint presentation. Yeah. Hold on here. It I got to sync to the cloud. I just thought this argument was just, it wasn't even well written. No. I mean, it's, like there wasn't even good jabs in there. It's just do it or else. No, I'm not doing it. Do no, it especially else. considering the last interaction these two guys had. Where at one point Wedge turns around and shoots Thrack in a glance yeah. that's like the kind of glance that says, "Don't interrupt while the grownups yeah, are talking." Yeah, that was that was a really well written line. Yeah, Don't interrupt while the grownups are speaking. And then or whatever. The, the next scene, they haven't even left the room. And the next and scene, like, they're not grownups anymore. It's like, <laughs> hey, you you go tell your daughter to do what I say. 
Maybe no, it's, maybe it's me. just Wedge going down to his level now that there's nobody else around to be putting a show on in front of. Maybe. But there Could is. Be. Han and Leia are watching from the box up above. And Leia says, Wedge just got himself killed. I And I think I think Wedge is too too smart to know or to not know that there's someone else watching like he must always assume that i mean you would right it's it's like now like today when you live in the age of like instagram and the internet and 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 video phones space phones in everybody's pocket you should you you should always act like you're on the record because you are i mean people get fired over facebook posts all the time right (laughs) like that's a thing i said something on the internet and i lost my livelihood Wedge just got himself killed, Leia said. Wedge, or then Han nods and adds, he's too smart not to know that. Right. Wedge knows he just signed his own yeah, like, definite, death, definitely. Yeah. death warrant. Whatever. But I think he's kind of been in that situation from the beginning ever since he uh, broke out of the GA prison and escaped yeah. back to Karelia as maybe not a war criminal. Yeah. But, it know. says, it won't be soon, though. Thraken needs Wedge yeah. for now. For now. Until Thraken gets pissed and... And that's the kind of guy Thraken is, is he is a, a user and an abuser. Cut yeah. to Reladir Trallis. Finally, we get a look from inside the GA compound. Jaina has arrived here at the command center and she is not happy. She says it. I'm not happy. She's here to oversee Hardpoint Squadron and they're nowhere to be found. She decides the pilots need to be tested. And Zek puts out the call. Someone comes running in a, in a towel. And we cut to... The Dodonna, orbiting Trallis. Seal Antilles pulls her ship onto the deck to refuel and have a rest. She's approached by a deckhand with greetings from home. An hour later, her squad leader and GA intelligence are interrogating her for shooting that mechanic. <laughs> I thought that was just yeah. such a good, like, smash cut. Like, greetings from home. Smash cut to her hands handcuffed to the desk the the man squadron leader standing over the intelligence officer sitting down questioning her so you shot him why did you shoot that man because you're not going to turn in antilles that's why the man was obviously thraken's man giving her an ultimatum of you spy for us or else i will hurt your family and she said well bam pow pow shoot, shoot him I love the though they're like I still don't understand. Why did you shoot him? She's like he lunged for my blaster pistol. They're <laughs> like we get that. Why did you have a blaster pistol? She's like oh, I was my... arresting him. She's like my father told told me yeah. I should always carry one. And then in in her head she's like that's a lie. He told me to carry two. <laughs> yeah. And speaking of her father, she ends up revealing her identity to the GA military to the fleet. Her leader says it's the last day she'll ever wear a GA military uniform. And the intelligence officer lady tells him to beat it because he's being a fool. The intelligence officer tells Sayal, I'll put you on a squad. You'll be on a squad. You'll be flying. You're not going to be kicked out of the military. They're going to be Aleph class fighters, which we looked up while we were sitting here earlier. So sweet. And it they looks look awesome. Like a, like a tie interceptor, but if the, the four prongs were made into two prongs on each side. I mean, you know what I mean. Yeah. Two prongs total. Yeah. It's like if you push those interceptor wings together vertically. Just just Google it. it looks A-L-E-P-H. Great. It looks great. Starfighter. And it this is one of the new Galactic Alliance military ships, which we were talking about before. 
The Imperial Remnant is now part of the Galactic Alliance, right? So now you're getting new classes of ships that have old Imperial technology Updated. combined with the new Republic technology, and it's making for some really interesting looking stuff. I'll tell you that for sure. I think I saw somewhere that these Aleph fighters were mm-hmm. designed to combat the coral skippers that the Yuzhan bomb. Oh, of course used. they were. Everything, everything military now the, everything. is based off of being able to par uh, match yeah. or beat yeah. the Yuzhan Vong. Everything was at a certain level until the Yuzhan Vong came and turned it up to 11, and then that set the new bar. Like, will this Jiklip set a low bar? The Yuzhan Vong came in and they set a high bar! And it has been a dangerous galaxy ever since. But what's why? That, uh, what's that saying? Necessity is the mother of invention? It is. Hey, we got a saying actually, right? <laughs> well, what do you call those sayings? Hmm. <laughs> Those things. <laughs> I don't know. But a better question is, why is this intelligence officer helping Cy Antilles? Take a guess. Because she used to be a pilot with her dad back in the day, and her dad is such a great guy, that Cy couldn't possibly be a bad person. Well, not just that. When she mentions, I'm an Antilles, mm-hmm. the, they're like, wait, as in Wedge <laughs> and... They yeah. insert her mom's they, name, they, and she's like, "I'm surprised you know Ayala. that name." Yeah, I, they they knew yeah. they knew uh, her mother's name too. Yeah, so she's part of the intelligence community, which is funny Again, because spy. Yeah, and wait a minute, she's also a former fighter pilot. The, the spies know spies, but she knows. Sayal must be a good person. Your wedge's daughter, you must be a badass just like him. This is again, a reflection in a positive direction of. Turning a blind eye to the evidence in front of you because of your personal history. Where she has no evidence in front of her to believe that this woman is not lying. She has no evidence in front of her to believe that this woman shot this man for the right reasons. Other than this short interview. But she bases her entire decision of saving her career on the fact that her dad was a good guy. Well, she didn't. She <laughs> like doesn't just, just know he thing was again, a good you know? guy. She flew with him. She knew the pilots. Well, I know he that's what I'm saying. It, but it's so, just this, it's the same thing again. Where instead of just leaving it up to the information, you just let your preconceived notion of if her father acted this way, she must act this way. You you let oh if oh you know Han Solo is a good guy, Leia is a good guy, Jason couldn't possibly be having dark thoughts. He, couldn't possibly be in a bad spot. It's the it's the same it's the same thing. A broken clock is right twice a day, and it is here. We are right twice again, and this we come to the end of our discussion this week. Next week, what about the special beads? Will the Carillions attack? Will Wedge survive? All this and more answered for you next week on Forever Canon when we cover chapters twenty five. Six, seven, and eight. We'll see you then. For now, I'm Justin. I'm Tim. I'm Kevin. Bye. Have a good one. See ya. For any comments and questions, you can hit us up at forevercanonpodcast at gmail.com. Forever Canon Podcast is a Jay Plazer production. Catch us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube at Jay Plazer. Check us out.